Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thank you for joining me. This is Harriet Kimmick with Down to Earth. It's the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And it's Valentine's week, right? So everybody's getting ready for the big day on Friday when you all go broke trying to impress people whom you probably don't usually impress, or as I saw a meme that I posted this morning that said, that showed my ex standing, looking like a skeleton. He's waited this long, right, to replace me. And he's standing at a window with, with blinds, and he's looking through the blinds. So while he's waiting, he waited so long, he died waiting, looking for someone better than me. So for those of you who probably will find yourselves alone, single, this year, not alone, single, for Valentine's Day, I tell you what, it's going to be okay. You don't have to be with anyone you don't want to be with just because you don't want to feel alone. As a matter of fact, I'm here to empower you and tell you it's okay. I have spent many Valentines alone, and that's by choice, because I'd rather be alone and happy than to be with someone who makes you miserable, right? Someone who makes you question, you know what, why am I even here? So before they disappear on you or ghost you, because that's a popular thing, I've heard people say that, Come the week of Valentine, people just ghost you because they don't want to commit or they don't want to, you're probably not the one they want to spend Valentine's with. They want to go impress someone else and acquire more people so they have more options, right? Before you go through all that, you don't need all that. Empower yourself. You don't need all that. You quit. Say, I don't have to date you. What do I, what am I dating you for? What are the benefits of dating you? We're not going out on dates. We're not settling down. So what's the point? So if that is not the case, then what's the point? So you just say, forget it. Ladies and gentlemen, learn to love yourself. When you start loving yourself more, your need to have someone else love you becomes less. You don't need someone else to love you, to validate you, to validate you as a human being, or to make your sexual desires or your sexual places, your genitals, feel empowered. No, you don't need that. Trust me, you don't. When you start loving yourself, and you value yourself and you tell yourself, I don't need this psychopath and I don't need this behavior and I don't need this sociopathic behavior who will likely stalk me after I'm done dating. When you tell yourself you don't need that, then guess what? You are at empowerment and you find that guess what? You're happier because you no longer have to depend on anybody else to stimulus, to stimulate you and empower you. And guess what else? You're gonna live longer. Because you'll spend less time worrying, you won't have heart disease, you won't have stress, high blood pressure, and stresses because you spend so many years of your life wondering if he will come home, is he going to call you, is he going to show up. Guys and girls, it's true. It's true for all of us. So this, as Valentine's Day approach, don't just reach out to someone because you want to feel like you're part of something. I know it's painful to say goodbye, but look what you're saying goodbye to. 
you're saying goodbye to a feeling and an attachment that you have that the person may not necessarily have about you, right? So if that is you, if that describes you, be empowered. This Valentine's Day, if you feel like it, take yourself out to eat all by your beautiful, handsome, lonesome self. And if, and if you don't feel like that, pick it up and go home, turn on Netflix, pour yourself a glass of wine, have some chocolate and sit down and laugh at the rest of us who are having hookups that you're going to regret on Saturday morning because then they ghost you after Friday, right? And all the heartache that comes the day after and the days after, right? You don't need that. We don't need that. Nobody needs that negativity, right? And if you are lucky enough to have your Valentine feel the same way about you, then my thing is go out and live your life and love and be loved. Right? So if you're lucky enough to have someone who loves you, then for the love of God, go out there and love. Right? But as for me, oh, well, you already know I'll be celebrating. I'm going to eat. <laughs> and I'm going to laugh. And I'm going to live. And live some more. Right? Right. And I'm confident that I am loved because I love me. Right? So I just thought I'd just stop by and just tell you that. As we go into our show today, as you know, Down to Earth is the show that talks about the issues that matter, and we're doing a follow-up on a story we did last fall on homelessness among school children. And what we have found is that this is something that perhaps is going to uh, impact the rest of us. I only have a few minutes. I'm just going to go right into it to kind of bring us to some idea of what is going on among school children in America. I know right now the political climate is such that they're focused on an election that doesn't seem to be representative of the people. The people are hurting. People are without jobs. There have been natural disasters in some states that have compromised uh, students' ability to live somewhere. Parents are unemployed because factories shut down, and so parents don't have a job. They can't pay any rent jobs disappeared, or the common thing nowadays is they give you a temporary job for 20 hours, right? So out of which you can't make enough to pay rent, right? So while politicians are busy uh, focused on billions of dollars, can you imagine to someone who is homeless how out of touch that must sound? They don't have it. Right now, there are school children who don't know where they will sleep tonight. There are school children who don't know where they're going to be. And yet you hear politicians talking about how many billions of dollars they're spending on a political campaign, and then they drop out of the race. So you're like, you wasted all that money when you could have donated it to a homeless shelter that is providing services to homeless school children, or you could create programs that provide affordable housing in communities. Can you just imagine to people how that must sound? So I want to put this in perspective for you because last fall when I examined this, I kid you not, I think it was like in October, it gave me the willies. Like it made me very, very uncomfortable. And after the show was over, I literally had to go perform some self-care because I could not imagine how that could happen. And especially when I am familiar with why homelessness occurs among school children. I mean, but for the grace of God, go I was a single parent for a long time. It could have been me. 
right? It could have been while I was raising my children, I was a single parent. And it could have been me. So it may, I was very uncomfortable with it. And I must, I must profess that. And so when my producer found this report and said, we need to do a follow-up on the story, I was like, are you kidding me? And I was like, why should we do a follow-up? We just did this in October. Could, nothing could have changed. To my surprise, it changed. So let me read you some statistics. And this is coming from the National Center for Homelessness in Education. And they are an agency that is funded by the U.S. Department of Education. So they are supposed to provide the Department of Education, the U.S. Department of Education, with the numbers on homelessness. Now, one of the things that I found that totally shocked me, everybody, was it wasn't until 2004, 2005 that they began tracking homeless kids in the country. And that shocked me because I was like, then why weren't you ever doing it before? But more importantly, like, seriously, this really happened? 2004 to 2005 was when they first began tracking homeless students in the country. In 2004 to 2005, guess what? There were 680,000 homeless students in the country. That's still a lot of children. Well, between 2015 and 2005, between 2000 up until now, the 2017 to 2018 school year, guess what? That number doubled. There are now 1.5 million homeless students, homeless children in public schools. This is not college. This is public schools. 1.5 million public school children are homeless. Check this out. This is where your mind is going to be blown. 102,000 said they stayed in unsheltered places like abandoned buildings and cars in the 2017 to 2018 school year. A 137% increase in the number of students who reportedly stayed in unsheltered places. Are you all listening? Oh, I'm just talking to the talking air right here. Somebody's going to listen to this and do something about this. The states with the highest increase, of course, was Texas, and there are some, some factors that are driving that increase, right? But before we go into the factors that drive homelessness, we really need to ask ourselves, why are students being homeless and why we're not doing anything about it? My own uh, uh, conviction is that I think that we're spending way too much time on, on, on political campaigns, and we're not really addressing the issues of the people. I find that the disconnect now is getting too wide. The, the, and I know you're all agreeing with me. You're all seeing it now. The disconnect. And I know for many of my viewers and my listeners, you're probably saying, well, that does not describe me. But it probably describes someone you know. If you go to the grocery store, it probably describes someone you encounter frequently. It probably describes someone who works in your organization or works where you work. You might be at the top tier but there might be people who are earning 14 to $15 an hour at 20 to 25 or 30 hours per week who simply cannot sustain housing, affordable housing. And that's, that's a whole other issue, the fact that there are not enough affordable housing spaces in the country. It's not just a California problem. It's everywhere in the country. There are just not enough affordable housing. Well, what is affordable housing? Well, look at it this way. The real estate market marks up 
housing developments and housing structures by more than a thousand percent. How in Dickens' name can a house in a neighborhood cost a million dollars and you take that same house, put it in another part of the country, and that same house is barely $100,000? That shows you the disparity in incomes that is impacted by perception more than anything else. It's driven by perception and ego. People in San Francisco, for instance, have a huge housing crisis. There are more homeless people in San Francisco than anywhere else. You know why? Perception. Because of the access to Silicon Valley, because there are so many tech startups, guess what? People just saying, well, I want somewhere to live, so I'll pay whatever it takes, and I can afford to do it. So it reduces what is considered affordable housing that normal people can afford. There are only so many people in the 1%. Let's say there are only so many people in the top 10%. Most people are way, way below. So there are a number of attitudes that are factors when you look at what homelessness is. One of them is employers. People who employ people do not pay people enough. Employers will tell you, I sat with someone last week who told me that it's a heavy burden because the law says if someone works for you for more than 25 hours per week, then you have to pay them benefits. So employers say, well, it's a huge burden. And I'm looking, I look straight at him like, and where is that person supposed to sleep? Do you have a hostel for them to sleep and their families? You're telling me that employing them is a great burden for you to pay them more than $15 an hour, more than 25 hours per week. That is one of the driving factors that drives homelessness. Of course, there's the issue of affordable housing where the cost of a house is exponential in terms of its real value. Like you look at some of these places and you're like, seriously? I remember when I moved from Central Florida to Detroit and I went into what they considered here in, in Metro Detroit, nice communities. And I looked at the houses and I'm like, that house is nothing where I come from. The houses that we were paying $700,000 for, they look way better than some of these houses here. And I'm like, this is what, for $400,000, I was shocked. Because, again, it's, it's relativity. It's, it, it's impacted by perception, right? People like to think that I live in a nice community and it is so exclusive that only people like myself and people like me can, can live in this community. So we are fast moving to a country that cannot house its people. And I think policymakers are not aware of that. I think policymakers are so, uh, so focused on fighting the big battles that they're not focused on what made America great in the first place was the fact that we could house our people. We have become a nation that is fast moving to what I call tent cities. We used to laugh at people in Somalia and Ethiopia and said those people, those nations can't house their people. But you go to San Francisco, and guess what you see? Ten cities. You go into some parts of Texas, and what are you seeing? People living on the bridges, people living in cardboard boxes. Yet we were busy laughing at other countries for not being able to house their people. Because policymakers stopped looking at the big picture, right? They stopped looking at what really matters, right? Isn't that the truth, though? Isn't that true? Yeah, one of my viewers here is responding to me. Isn't that true? Yeah. We stopped looking. The policy, the people who initiate and make a public policy, they stopped looking at what matters. And once they stopped, they stopped paying attention to legislation 
that would impact. They also took more bribes. So some guy walks up into city council and says, I'm going to build houses over here. So he starts buying out people to obtain permits to build houses that nobody can afford. So pretty soon people are driven out of their homes. How else can we explain that in the 2017 to 2018 school year, the previous year that they examined was 2014, 2015 into 2016. In the 2017 to 2018 school year, there was a 137% increase in students who said they slept in unsheltered spaces like abandoned buildings and cars. And we're not concerned about that, but we're busy pointing fingers at other nations saying that they can't house their people, but we're not housing ours. We need to look at some of our economic policies that is driving factories to close. What are the reasons that are driving this? Let me give you a couple. One is opioid and methamphetamine addiction. We didn't realize the extent to which opioid addiction was hurting people. So we looked at the addiction, but we didn't look at the root cause. The root cause is what? The root cause for opioid addiction were people couldn't find work, right? People were depressed. So they went to the doctor to get medication. Before you knew it, they were addicted to prescription drugs and addicted to antidepressants because they couldn't find work. They didn't know how to cope. Factories were closing. In the Rust Belt here in the Midwest, gone. Factories closed. In one small town, uh, Walmart is closing. They said when Walmart leaves that town, the town will be dead. A town of 20,000 people will be dead. Right? Factories closed. Jobs are lost. Do you realize that when someone loses their job, you're firing a human being who is a mother or a father who has a family whom they take care of. And when they don't have a job, they can't pay rent. Hello. There are other factors that drive this as well, weather catastrophes and home fires. Weather catastrophes, especially in Texas and Florida, where there were some severe storms that literally wiped out people's way of living. Not only did they lose their home, but they also lost their jobs because there was nowhere for the company to keep going. Then there was nothing to replace their home. Affordable housing is gone. Anybody pays home insurance lately? Home insurance rates are astronomical. Wow. <laughs> I had to take a break. <laughs> I had to take a breath, y'all, just to think about it because the scope of the problem is so huge because in the 2017 to 2018 school year, 1.5 million school children were homeless. That's a big deal. Isn't it? Isn't that a big deal? I think I shouldn't be the only person who is concerned about this. I think we should all be worried about this. And guess what? This is what is reported. I guarantee you many people do not report. People probably just up and leave the area. Those students could be wandering anywhere. This is what is reported. Remember when we did this back in the fall and we talked about 
New York homeless, 114,000 students in, home, in New York. A, a city the size of New York, 114,000 is a drop in the bucket. That's just what is reported. That's whom they have provided shelter to. That's not the actual numbers because most people do not report, right? So most, and, and then here's, here's something else that kind of is going to be the knee-jerk reaction that you will have. Most homeless students have a single parent. And you're looking at me like, ah, yeah. Most homeless students have a single parent. You see how important it is to have two parents, to have two incomes that help to keep the family together? Guys, I think we, all of us, guys and gals, all of us. So when I say guys, it's unisex. So don't think it's just you guys, just male, right? I think we all need to start really uh, examining ourselves and start holding our own selves accountable. If you're going to have sex with someone, chances are you can make that person pregnant or ladies, you can get pregnant. Think about it. And if you're going to have a child, it's 18 years. Where is that child going to live? I have two children. They're 10 years apart. You know, one of the questions that that question drove me for a long time. I kept my legs closed. I was like, this ain't going to be me. Because where, where, you, you have to think about that. I think a lot of us just engage, especially as it comes to Valentine's Day, you know. Oh, my God. You know what's going to happen after Valentine's? It's February. March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. Come late November to early December, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? A lot of, a lot of babies. A lot of babies. That's what's going to happen, right? Because we had random hookups. Let me see. Today, the UK government almost proudly announced the introduction of hygiene banks, where they now want people to donate toothbrushes for children alongside sanitation for young girls. Wow. We do a similar thing here where uh, some of the uh, programs that we do, we, we, um, we collect uh, hygiene products and donate it. But we used to donate it to women and children in shelters as a result of abuse and neglect. But now, with homelessness, the way it is, it's a global problem because the people who build houses are globally greedy. It just seems to be this global greed where everybody just wants to live this high life. And I can't say that I blame uh, social media for this. I really can't. I can't say that it's Instagram's fault, that people want to be big pimping and profiling, right? And so they're going to live how they want to live. I can't really say that. But what I can say is that collectively, we have to we have to pay some attention because the politicians, they don't care. you got to understand, did you see that report on, on one of the news channels this week? What politicians live in, how much they pay for their home, and how much it's, more, it's now valued at? You really think they care about some little person who earns $10 an hour? 20 hours per week and can't pay their bills? A friend of, you know, somebody I know, one of my protégés, she's a lawyer now, uh, she posted something on my Facebook page this morning, and it says, millennials 
now have outnumbered living baby boomers. So guess who will be voting this 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 fall? Millennials. It's looking like that's all I'm gonna say. We used to donate to sleeping shelters, but this is a new one. I'm unsettled by the metropolitan elite. You and I both. They seem to, I saw this in the UK. I was watching a program from the UK and I said, wow, the housing problem is the same here. They seem to be building houses that only a certain group of people can afford. They're building houses that cost $750,000 and upwards. Nobody is building affordable housing that costs less than $200,000. Are you hearing me? Houses that people can actually in real time afford. I'm not talking about $700,000. And frankly, I'm going to be honest with you all, it's all ridiculous. If you're earning $200,000 a year and you're going to pay mortgage on $700,000 a year, doesn't that sound ridiculous to you? How are you ever going to save? How are you ever going to move forward? How, how can you have anything? You really, you won't even be able to have $100,000 saved up in the bank. Because check this out. We all know realistically, if, if, if you're in 200000 and your mortgage is at $700,000, how much are you paying in mortgage? Okay, figure that out. And a lot of people do that, right? Somebody is saying this is why it's a way to control people. Dude, I could not agree with you more. Are you all seeing what I'm saying? So you're right. If it's a way to control people, then it's a way to control who can vote. Because if people are transient and keep moving, chances are they won't register to vote in the same place, right? Is that what it is? Right? This is what creates division and divide. It's crazy because we're looking at a phenomena that we never had 50 years ago because 50 years ago, people were different. It's not that the greed wasn't emerging. The greed was always there. But 50 years ago, people felt a moral obligation to do the right thing. Today, it's not. Today, it's not. Right? Today, it's not. There is no moral obligation to do the right thing. So they continue. When I lived in Central Florida, it was when I first began noticing that they were building less houses for 200000 or less. And we're building more houses that cost upwards of half a million dollars. And at the time, I remember asking a developer what was the trend behind it. And he said the trend now was to build house at different price points. So they would start at 200000 and then build it from upwards, 500000 700000 a million, $2 million, and so on. And I knew right then, I remember my ex and I looked, looked at each other like, seriously? That is not foretelling the future. I said, we better go buy one of these so we can have somewhere to live real quick. <laughs> right? Do you see what I'm saying? And this is, and that was, this was 18 years ago. It's, it's, it's worse now. Here in Michigan, for instance, and especially in the metro Detroit area, you don't see new housing development. I, 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 I used to think it's because it's cold, but you don't drive past a lot of housing development. There's a community called Brighton on 96 going west towards the state capital of Lansing. And there might be some new developments there, but those houses, they're 18 years old. So they're not constantly building new developments. A lot of that speaks to why the economy. When the, when, when the auto industry tanked, everything tanked with it. 
it's returned, but it's not the way that it was because things have changed. Right now, General Motors is going to build a factory that, that makes electric cars here in Metro Detroit. That just goes to show you how the market has changed. But the good news is they're going to retrofit the factory and train the workers and use the same workers. So they're not going to fire them and make them lose their jobs. Right? And they did that because they were given an incentive by the mayor of the city to stay in the city. Because if people have jobs, then people are most likely to hold on to what they have. Right? Most likely to hold on to communities that support that. It's just like in a factory town. If the factory is closed, the whole town dies because the factory worker drinks coffee, goes shopping, takes their car in for repairs. They shop, buy stuff at the mom and pop store, buy stuff everywhere. So the money keeps circulating in the local economy. When the factory shuts down, that worker now has no income to spend anywhere. In fact, they're about to lose their home. This is what results in these deaths of despair. People take up drinking. They take up opioids. They take up methamphetamines. Crystal meth is a real deal, right? What these are, are it's just methods that people are trying to cope. How, how Put yourself in their shoes. Can you imagine what it's like? You had a job and then you don't have a job. How are you going to live? What are you going to eat? Where are you going to live? I can speak to that because I found myself in the same position. Had I not lived it, I probably wouldn't be sitting here with you talking about it. Because I wouldn't know what it's like. I would be like, everybody else, it's not my problem. It, I'm ambivalent about it. Oh, well, it sucks to be them. Keep scrolling through my social, my social media. But they had to stop me so I could focus on it. And when I began looking at it, I recognized that we got to do something about it to change it. Right? Redundancy is a bigger word than just losing your job. Wow redundancy, when they make you redundant. Well, making you redundant suggests that you as a person no longer have value. So people fall into depression. Are you saying that I no longer have value? And people calculate what it means to be jobless. You know, I've said this before. My daughter is trained as a lawyer, right? And she went to work for a law firm in St. Clair Shores, Michigan, who are as racist as you can be. And I I forgot to mention to her that no matter what they tell you, uh, when it comes close to the 90-day mark, they're going to not have you because the health insurance kicks in if you work more than 25 hours per week. So when it finally happened and they let her go, she fell into despair. Because she said, finally, I'm an adult. I know what it means to not have a job. She said, luckily, I live at home with mom, me. But she said, Mom, what would I do if I didn't have you? Where would I live? What would have happened? We, you know, we have to double up like everything else, help with the car notes. You know how that is, help with the cell phone bill, everything, food and everything else. But she kept saying, what if I didn't have you? And I think that thinking drove her more than anything else. And that's when she sat down and she said, oh, my God, I would have sunk into despair, taken to drink or to drugs. And she said, this mom is what you've been saying for a long time. This is how close it gets. And look at her. She says, look at me. I have an advanced degree. She has a law degree. 
And all of you are nodding your heads vehemently because you're like, dang, I need to be grateful for the job that you have, that it provides, and save your money. You see this Valentine's Day? Valentine's is every day. Tell the person you love, I love you, buy them a, a, a $10 bouquet, and say, this is how much I love you. I love you so much, we're saving for our future. I love you so much, I pay extra on the mortgage to pay it off. I love you so much, I'm not buying a new car because it's a waste of money. I love you so much, I'd rather have the money in the bank to take care of us. And then you sit down and you live happily ever after. Treat her like a queen, but don't waste the money. Some of, you, some of us, you need to take out loans on your credit cards and go invest. You ever thought of that? So you have a credit limit of $50,000 and you look at it and you have 30000 left and you're like, that is for a rainy day. You take that money and go buy some stock, some tech stock and put it away and have a portfolio so that in 15 years you can reap something. That same $30,000, you can turn that into $300,000. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm just saying that in order for all of us to avoid certain things, because it seems to me the older I get is the more I recognize that things do happen that you didn't plan for. Things do happen. Some of these families who ended up being homeless, nobody ever thought this would happen to them. This is why I don't like paying rent. I think after you, you know, after 25, you should stop paying rent. You should find somewhere that you can afford to buy a house. Because paying rent is, 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 is simply like, well, it's a sliding scale. And what happens to a lot of millennials today is that they're saying, I can't even save up enough money to make a down payment on a house. That is very true. That is true. They can't save up enough money to make a down payment on a house. My daughter asked me the same question. I said, well, live at home for as long as you can and save your money <laughs> so that within a year or two, you have some money to go pay to make the down payment on a house. Or I'm probably going to have to take out a loan, give you one of the properties I have, so you go use it as collateral. <laughs> she was rolling. <laughs> but these are real-time issues. I said, the only good news is that you're a lawyer. So you will always be earning more. You see what I mean? So eventually, you will never be in a space where you ever have to worry about being homeless or your children being homeless. This is what I told her. My youngest daughter was just sitting there, and all she said was Generation Z and 2020. <laughs> That's all she said. <laughs> That's all she said. Right? We've got to turn this around and see a reversal. We've got to start asking people to hold them accountable. And the city council in our cities, not just here, the city councils in our cities, the city council members, they're not helping. They're fat cats themselves. All they're looking at is this ain't going to happen to me. I keep being elected every year. I earn six figures, and this is not my problem. This is for those people. This is not my issue. And as long as we all continue to think like that, guess what? We're going to have issues. We all, we, this is an issue. The biggest issue that we're facing is what is called affordable housing. That is what is driving this homelessness. People can't afford to live anywhere. People can't afford to, to, to buy a house or to live somewhere that is affordable. Why are you paying $950 a month in rent, $1,100, $1,200 a month in rent for a two-bedroom apartment? That is the craziest thing I've ever heard. So by the time you pay that in rent, how can you live? How are you going to have anything to ever save 
to make the deposit on a house. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So this question of homelessness comes back to affordable housing. And as long as we're not, as a society, recognizing that we need to ensure that we are taking care of our people by providing affordable housing, this is not going to stop. It's not going to stop. So let me give you some numbers and then we're out of here. Uh, between 2017 and 2018, there was an increase of 137% in students who described themselves as living in unsheltered spaces like abandoned buildings and cars, and cars, the factors that drive homelessness. There are 1.5 million public school students who experienced homelessness in the 2017 to 2018 school year. This does not include students in private schools. They didn't count those numbers. And by the way, just to make this clear, this is what is reported. Affordable housing is a nationwide problem. Housing instability is associated with developmental delays in children. We can all see that, right? That That's easy to see. What are the factors that are driving this homelessness? In Texas and Florida, so it varies by community. In Texas and Florida, it was driven by weather phenomena, catastrophes, weather catastrophes. In other states, it's driven by, uh, by closing up a factory, right? Most homeless students have a single parent. The opioid and meth crises has created that. Factors closing, and of course, abuse and neglect, right? Spaces where children are abused physically and they can't stay at home. Children who have sexual identity issues and who are thrown out of their homes by parents. You can't live in my house if you want to be gay, kind of thing. And you send your child out to be trafficked. That's literally what you're doing. Crazy stuff. The biggest problem that is driving this is lack of affordable housing. And this is not a California issue. This is a nationwide problem right across the spectrum. A lot of housing developers are greedy. They go into neighborhoods and snatch up property for $5,000. And then they put a $500,000 house on said property. And nobody in the neighborhood can afford to buy that. Even here in, in Detroit, we saw recently where uh, the, uh, the report in the Detroit News suggested that the city of Detroit overtaxed black homeowners by $600 million. I just need somebody to hear that crap. 600 million. Where did that excess money go to? So people were literally driven out of their homes because they could, their houses went into tax foreclosure. And the mayor is denying any kind of responsibility or culpability to it. I am just saying, ladies and gentlemen, we got a problem. Students who are in school should not be homeless. And that is driven by factors like people don't want to work, pay people to work. They want the job done, but they would rather hire someone every 90 days than keep someone longer than 90 days. Because if they keep them longer than 90 days, they're going to have to pay them pay health insurance. 
employers don't want to do that. They want to collect money so everybody can be a billionaire and be on the cover of Forbes magazine and be on Instagram calling themselves the next billionaire. We've become so morally decentered and so morally corrupt that we don't even know ourselves anymore. We don't care for others. We're not philanthropic. We don't look for the good in others or try to do as much good with what we have. We're rich, but we like to see others poor. We think that in their poverty, we will continue to be rich. We like to look at people and condemn people for how they live, not recognizing that we had a hand in it, either through public policy or through our own private corporate policy. We don't want to pay people a living wage because we want to make more money so we can go circulate with other billionaires and have uh, big, big rich men laugh and laugh and drink at the expense of other human beings. We used to laugh at people in other countries and say, ha, 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 look at how they live, not realizing that we, by our greed, have created the same problem in our own cities that have now become tense cities. We have a problem. We have a problem, right? And the problem is affordable housing that has to be addressed in two ways, by public policy, from the public policy uh, from, from politicians, right? And the second thing is greed from corporate raiders who like to sit down and count all the zeros in their bank accounts. My name is Harriet Kimmick. This has been Down to Earth. Thank you so much for joining I encourage you to go on my website, harrietcamick.com, as well as view my previous podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts, or wherever your favorite podcast platform is. I encourage you and ask you a favor to share this podcast with others so that others can know that this is a national problem and that we need to address it. As the election year comes closer, as people start ramping up, These are the issues that we want folks to pay attention to. I want to thank you so much for being part of my experience today. It's almost Valentine's, but I posted a meme that showed my ex standing at a window uh, looking to find someone to replace me whom he thought was better than me, but he waited so long. He actually died and became a skeleton. So I just want to leave you with something to laugh about that. That just might be your story, but if your story is filled with love, more power to you. Spread love and share love with the people who love you. Thank you so much, everybody. Be blessed. Thank you so much for being a part of my show this morning. Be blessed, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.